this is a, such an exciting time because so many people are launching products and launching brands and, you know, are really thinking about legacy and, 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 and generational wealth. And many of them are doing it through beauty. So I'm just happy to just be a conduit and be, you know, part of the solution, not a part of the problem, uh, you know, every day. <laughs> Welcome to Royalty Redefined, where you become the queen or king of your life. If you're ready to thrive as a visionary leader and really step into your power as the creator of your reality, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Christina Kelly. I'm a coach to seven and eight figure brands and keynote speaker who loves helping ambitious leaders create the impact they were born to create. Now it's your turn. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, my kings and queens. Today's podcast guest is truly the definition of fabulous. And not just because she has this amazing red lipstick and her looks are always on point, although we do love that. But the real reason why she is on the Royalty Redefined podcast today is because she truly is showing up as the queen of her life and also really empowering others in the process. We covered so many different topics during today's interview, but really some of the main things that we touched on are how to find your purpose, how to know if something is truly meant for you, and really what true beauty looks like. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about our guest, Melissa. Melissa had a very successful career in corporate, and at one point, she was even navigating branding campaigns for all-star Michael Jordan, who you might have heard of. Then she became a celebrity makeup artist who worked on numerous hit TV shows, which she dives into a little bit in the interview. Now, Melissa is the founder of Shift Beauty Consulting Agency, a marketing agency for women-founded beauty brands. Melissa is an advisor, mentor, and tech investor. But most importantly, she is a mother to her beautiful, smart, and vibrant daughter, Milan. This interview is one that is really going to inspire you to see that you can do absolutely anything. And if you are at a point in your life where you are maybe questioning your purpose and what it is that you are meant to do in this next stage of you, then this is the podcast episode that you were meant to hear today. Enjoy. Melissa, welcome to the Royalty Redefined podcast. I am so thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Christina. It is a pleasure to be here. I'm excited too. Well, we have so many juicy things to dive into today, but where I really love to start with all of our guests is actually taking it a couple of steps back. And Uh what I would really love to hear from you is if you can dive into your childhood a little bit and tell us about some of the things from your earlier days that have really shaped you into the incredible businesswoman that you are today. Ah, great question. Well, you know, great place to start, actually. You know, I came from humble beginnings. I grew up in uh, Kingston, Jamaica, so on the island of Jamaica. And, you know, we we didn't have a lot of material things and, you know, a lot of livelihood things, but we had a lot of love, a lot of community. Um, And so I always surrounded myself sort of what I call the elders. I and I learned a lot early. I was always considered like that old soul because I knew so much so young. Um, but it's because I surrounded myself with people that were more mature than me. I, I was curious about things that 
not my peers were most curious about. I was curious about what was ahead of me. And so I carried a lot of that through my life, to be honest with you. I now look back and I'm like, wow, I always put myself in places that traditionally my age would say that I don't belong, but my, but my desire to be in bigger rooms and bigger spaces has, has been a part of me since I was like a little girl. And so I carry that with me throughout my life, just to show up and to, and to stretch myself and to get out of my comfort zone and to learn something new and to stay curious and to, you know, sit at the feet of those who know more and have seen more and done more so that I can have a preview of like what, you know, my life and what the possibilities could be. Mm, That's so beautiful. And I really want to emphasize what you said there at the end, which is really putting yourselves in those rooms with people who maybe are a couple steps ahead of you, but in your own words, that's what can really help shape for you the perspective of what's possible for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always, you know, I'm a firm believer, you know, that exposure changes things. And I think with me being able to see, um, you know, beyond my years and to uh, experience life on a bigger scale because I chose to be brave and chose to be courageous um, in spaces and places that, you know, I didn't necessarily see, you know, someone else that looked like me or someone else that was my age. Yeah. It really was, I think, the, the catalyst for my early success. Hmm. Can you share with us a specific moment where you did have to rise up and be very brave and very courageous and really what that kind of looked like for you? Oh, God. I've done that so much in my life. Uh, The earliest moment that I can really think about was even in high school where, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, many of my peers were, you know, getting jobs at the mall, getting jobs at the local fast food restaurants. And I said, no, I'm getting a job at a corporate office. I'm going to a law firm or some kind of business, uh, you know, environment because I want to I want to learn something different and I don't want to flip burgers and, and, and stack racks of clothes. And that's what I did. I actually, you know, ended up at a customer service job at the leading um, at the leading um, car uh the leading uh, car lot, you know, within Oregon, you know, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. So, mm-hmm. you know, I went, you know, I was working for one of the, the top car dealers in the city and, you know, as a 14 year old <laughs> and I loved it. I learned so much, you know, I learned so much about cars. I was, I, I was able to type fast and articulate myself to people who were much older than me coming in to get their car service. And so, and I was, in an environment where I was learning about, you know, the cost of things <laughs> that I couldn't even drive at the time, right? Wow. And and seeing these salespeople sell other people into, you know, into these vehicles and and just really learning how businesses run. I mean, it was it was absolutely like, you know, an amazing start for me. So no, I didn't want to do the traditional, you know, teenage job. I, I wanted a real corporate job. I love that. I love your gusto from a very young age. I feel like we would have been friends back in school, actually, because I was the same way. I worked in business from the time I was 16 years old. 
I would just walk up to different buildings and be like, listen, I want to learn about the world of business. For me, when I first started, I didn't quite you know, understand how to pitch myself, I guess. I'd walk in and just say, listen, I want to learn. I'll get yeah. another job to make money, but like, don't pay me. Just let me sit here and provide value to you. I'll be an intern. Like, Just let me in this door and let me learn. And uh-huh. it's so fun to hear from other entrepreneurs who have that gusto because those moments, especially when you're younger and you're putting yourself in new places, it is scary. But obviously with everything you're doing now, that gusto and those little brave steps in every stage of your life, it sounds like have really paid off in mm-hmm. enabling you to do even bigger, braver things much more down the road. Yeah, absolutely. You know, go for what you want. You know, I, you know my mother, we immigrated here in the early 80s. So my mother was sort of my first example of, you know, having courage. You know, she she moved to the United States and brought up her brought all of her um her children here one by one, working hard in healthcare industry and saving a lot of money to bring us all here to give us a better life. So that so as an immigrant and someone who, you know, came from humble beginnings into, you know, this amazing, you know, environment called America, uh, where possibilities are endless, I didn't take any of it for granted. I, I didn't want to just have a mediocre existence, even though I came, you know, from humble beginnings. I wanted, uh, you know, to experience the best of life. I wanted the education. I wanted the experiences. I wanted it to, to, you know, the connections and the, and the resources and the access that were all afforded to me. So I, I didn't take any of it for granted. I was fully immersed in what it would take for me to, to um, enjoy the life that I know that I deserve. Oh, wow. I want to, you're like ending on very strong lines over here. I want to emphasize the last line that you said right here, which is you really just emphasizing that you wanted to enjoy the life that not only you wanted, but your exact words for me are the Mm -hmm. life that you deserved. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you were able to share that with me and that our audience is able to listen to this. What I'm hearing from that is that you've done a lot of inner work on really just knowing to the depths of your being that you are so worthy of everything it is that you are desiring. Sure. Absolutely. And was I, did I always feel that way? No, but I always knew it was possible. And, you know, coming from again, humble beginnings, you, you weren't really taught about abundance, you know, as much you were taught, thought, taught about, you know, prosperity and all the things, right? And you certainly weren't talking, you know, talking about like wealth and worth and all of <laughs> and all of that. You just lived and you you tried to you worked hard and and as a result of working hard, you you get the things. But as I matured, I also understood that the working hard, the outside of me working hard would certainly garner all the things that I want, but the working hard on me on the inside will have me to live in a peace and an existence that, you know, whether I have the things or not, I'm, 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 I'm centered. I'm good, you know, and, and I'm in a, and I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in control of like how I feel and how I move, you know, because I, I have, I've done that work within me, right. I've that hard work that I grew up believing was all external <laughs> I learned that so much of the work that we need to really thrive and survive is internal. 
Amen to all of that. I could not agree with you more. And I know that all of our podcast listeners right now, like, I don't know if maybe you're like clapping or <laughs> you're, you're like listening. You're like, yes, girl. Like, cause that's how I'm feeling when you're saying that right now. And I think this is such an important topic for us to talk about specifically as, you know, women who are so intuitive and who really have these beautiful gifts to share with the world. And so much of those gifts come from really learning to look inside of ourselves, which is what you've so eloquently just spoken to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that we just, we, we, we all work really hard, right? I mean, that's the idea that we, we receive. You, you work hard, you, um, you know, because that will ultimately lead to having the things that you want. But I think ultimately for me, that while that is true, I wanted to, to really take a step back and, and also understand, you know, the softer side of me, because working hard is like, it's an energy that is, you know, I want to say masculine, but it is an energy that is like, go hard, no sleep, team, you know, team, no sleep, you know, all of that stuff. And, I'm, and there was a moment in my early 30s, I'm like, I don't think that that's healthy. And, and also, I'm like, kind of looking at certain aspects of my life. And I'm like, there has to, what is the alternative to this, you know, and so a lot of self-reflection, sometimes it was intentionally that I wanted to seek that, but sometimes life kind of hit me over the head too and said, uh, you kind of need to pause, reset, refocus and move. Mm. So you came to America with the help of your incredible immigrant mother, which is amazing. My mother was an immigrant as well. And so, you know, I agree for me personally, it's given me so much just perspective and additional gratitude, right? Knowing that my grandparents and a lot of the members of my family don't have the privilege that, you know, I even have here today, but, you know, you came here, you know, with your mother and then you started working from the time you're 14 years old, which I love so gutsy. And then from there, it sounds like, you know, I know you've been able to do so many other incredible things in your career, but something that you just touched on here was that there are times in your life where you received the message that, you really need to pause. And that's what has really triggered that internal reflection. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's someone listening who's in a phase like this in their life right now. Um, and I would love it if you could just dive into one of those phases in your life, what happened when you really realized that you needed to pause and how you allowed yourself to work through that and come out on the other end much stronger. Yeah, you know, I was in corporate America uh, after graduating from college, I moved to New York City. Lived, I worked in New York City for a little while in brand marketing. And then I ended up having the pleasure of moving back home to Portland, Oregon to work for Nike, a corporation in, in product marketing for the Jordan brand. And so I'm in my early 20s. I believe I was around 24 at the time. So, you know, I'm, I have a great career. I'm working for the greatest athlete in the world. A lot of great things are happening. But there was this hole and this void and this situation in my life that I had not quite reconciled with. And that was the relationship with my biological father. And I was trying to understand, like, why was that showing up at a time where, again, I'm at Nike World Headquarters working for the greatest athlete in the world, Michael Jordan. I have everything that I need as a young professional woman, but this personal stuff keeps coming up. And with this hole in my life um, in terms of my relationship with my biological father. And, and, and as I was moving I felt like I was moving forward professionally, but I think the emotional stagnation was not allowing me to show up fully, you know, as my whole self, like, because at the end of the day, we may be 
corporate professionals and working people, but we're still human. We're actually, we're human, period. And so all of who we are shows up in one way or the other. I was still a great employee and I did all a lot of great things, but I knew that there was this one thing tugging at me and I needed to address it. And it was showing up in moments like Father's Day. I would shut down. Like you would not even hear from me. I don't want to talk to anyone because that was the remembrance of, again, this relationship that was unresolved. So basically what I did was, you know, I was dating someone at the time and he supported me and he said, hey, go meet him. And so I traveled to, you know, Jamaica, met him for the first time, you know, and just try to develop the relationship with him that I think that I needed, ask the questions, have the experience, you know, open myself up. And I can tell you that that's what I needed. I needed closure, but I also needed connection. The identifying of that hole was now filled. I got back on the plane. I came back and I came back like with a, with a, with a level of like, uh, freedom and, and my spirit and my, and like other people know it, the people that I work with too. So I think for all of us who may have what that whole could represent something different for everybody and how we choose to fill it is, you know, I didn't necessarily have to go to Jamaica <laughs> to go meet him and talk to him. I could have made a phone call, but that was my, my answer. And, and that's what I needed. So I would say you have to answer the call to the hole that needs to be filled because nothing else that you acquire is going to fill it. You have to deal with it. You have to face it. Wow. Well, that's incredible and incredible too, that you were able to make such a courageous move to resolve something within yourself, especially at such uh-huh. a young age as well. Yeah. I think we, 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 we undermine that there's a juxtaposition with like, we've got this thriving professional career, but we've also have a personal life that we don't go to the office talking about, (laughs) you know, I mean, and so how much of that shows up in the, in the work that you do, how much of that shows up in your interaction, how much of that shows up in the boardroom, how how much of that shows up in your decision-making, how much of that shows up in your leadership, the personal stuff that is, that, that you have grappled, that you're grappling with that are unresolved, will show us up in one one way or or the other. And I think what I needed to do was address it in my early 20s so that it would, that weight would be moved for me because I can tell you my my career just skyrocketed. I mean, it was doing well, but it really took off after I was able to, you know, to solve that problem and, and fill that hole and deal with my personal stuff so that I can focus on where, you know, where I was going professionally. Well, that's absolutely incredible. And to anybody listening to this who, you know, maybe it's not talking to their father, but maybe it's talking to a mother, maybe it's resolving something with an ex-boyfriend, maybe just some other trauma, something harder than yourself. If you've been questioning whether or not to face that thing, I think Melissa just gave you a sign that you got to go for it and be brave and courageous and face the things that scare you because you know, in the words of what Melissa just said here, the people around her were able to feel how she felt lighter. She felt better. But then also I love hearing as well that your career took off and you were able to hold space on such a greater level as a result of the almost like energetic cleansing that you were able to do within yourself. Absolutely. That's precisely the energetic cleansing. It, 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 it is there. It, it cannot be denied. We can mask it a lot. 
You know, there's a lot of things. I, I'm really good at putting on red lipstick to, you know, so we, we whatever we, our mask is that we choose, at the end of the day, it does not go away. And um, what you don't heal, you reveal. And it, and it's going to show up in, 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 in some way. And so I, I just got that lesson early. And, and so now you just throughout my life, it wasn't my first obstacle and it certainly wasn't my last, but I learned how to, to approach it differently um, by actually facing it and, and, and trying to heal and deal as opposed to burying it. Because like I said, I know what it feels like when it shows up and it's heavy and it's there. So I'm just not going to deny it. I'm going to, going to, going to walk through it and face it. Yes, yes, yes to all of this. Now, my next question for you is going to be along the lines of really the next phase of your story, because I just love hearing the stories of women who have been able to accomplish so much and really almost like peel back the curtain and get a little behind the scenes of how they got there. So, you know, you come from Jamaica to the US, you're working for, you know, this car company, super young, you end up working a lot of corporate jobs, you're working at Nike for Michael Jordan, which is so cool. Then from there, you said that, you know, you had a conversation with a family member that was healing for you. And then you say that your career took off. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, I, so, so the question is like, where is beauty in all of this? Because obviously, you know, at this point, you, you know, you know that that's what I do for a living. Beauty actually was with me since also at the age of 14. While I was pursuing, you know, making sure that I had an established job as a 14 year old, I also fell in love with beauty at the same time. So I was in high school working, uh, going to school as well. I'm playing sports, but I also uh, I attended a magnet school that allowed me to take up a trade program on weekends. So I enrolled my trade. I chose to enroll in cosmetology school. So I was doing, so I graduated from high school with a cosmetology degree and a high school diploma simultaneously. I went to college. I majored in pre-law, public administration, as well as political science. So I had a dual, I was a dual major, but I, but on the weekends, I was your makeup artist, your hairstylist, your, 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 you know, your brow expert, because there was an abandoned salon in my dorm and I decided to transform it and provide services out of there. But, you know, so, so, but I knew that I didn't want to choose beauty at that time as the, the professional to walk into. I really wanted that corporate experience. Remember, as an immigrant, I said, I want the best of what life, what American life has to offer me. So that includes a great education, a good career, et cetera. So I took the traditional route, graduated from college, got my bachelor's, then also ended up getting my master's, my MBA. But then I worked in corporate America. And so I worked for great brands and big brands. And it was uh, a pivotal moment uh, after working 14 years in corporate America for some of the biggest brands in the world where I kind of felt the shift, as I always talk about. And it was this conversation, again, with my mother in the kitchen, um, decided to do a makeover on her that I just wasn't happy and that I needed to I needed I needed to figure out why, you know, things were something else was calling me while I was enjoying this great corporate career, great corporate life. Turns out after doing her makeover that I got my answer because I felt a level uh, of peace and connection, you know, doing my, her makeover in the kitchen, you know, surrounded by all this Jamaican food that I hadn't felt in a long time. 
And I and and so beauty was like the thing that was missing for me because I was always doing it on the side. It wasn't my main course. And I needed to make it my main thing in order to me for me to really realize, you know, my full potential and the and the reason why um, you know, that my purpose, uh, you know, as a as a as a business professional and how this journey, this parallel journey between you know, being the side makeup artist and being the successful, you know, corporate executive. So I needed to, I needed to answer that for myself. And so that's how it happened. My goodness. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to sit in the kitchen, have a conversation with me, mother. Am I going to find my life service too? (laughs) No, but (laughs) in all seriousness too, what I love about what you just said is that you knew that something was meant for you by the peace that you felt from it. And there's a lot of people, whether it be coaching clients or listeners of the show who ask me, you know, how do I really know what my purpose is? How do I know what I'm meant to do right now? And I now want to direct them to this podcast interview because the peace that you feel from it, I mean, that's really, I believe, a sign that it's right with you, but also I believe a sign that you are in alignment with the higher purpose for your life. Yeah. You know, listen, I can't take full credit. I have to give Deepak Chopra a little credit because he said, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, the, the, the thing that you do effortlessly is, is, is what you're supposed to be doing. I'm paraphrasing. But, you know, I remember that quote long ago. And I remember hearing it in corporate America, you know, and a lot of people laughed at me because there are some people that are diehard corporate people that don't believe in like spirituality, supernatural stuff, like the, the woo-woo uh, and the passion and, you know, they weren't raised that way. So when I'm talking about Deepak Chopra and, 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 and you know, <laughs> and his perspective on, on finding your passion and, and the thing that you do, that, that you're supposed to do is going to require the least effort, that fell on deaf ears. And I remember literally someone laughed me out of the room because I had mentioned that at one point. Mm-hmm. But I, but I, but it felt strong for me. It felt real for me. So, you know, I believed what I needed to believe about that statement and I carried it through with me. So it was just a matter of time for me to catch up externally, you know, internally with what I was already experiencing externally. And so that was like that moment of alignment that I'm like, oh, this is what it feels like. Can I do this? I would do this for free. Because that's what he said. If you can do it for free, that's how it's supposed to feel for you, effortless. And it made sense to me in that moment. And the rest is history. Oh my goodness. Well, with you just the way that you just talked about that quote from Deep Rock Chopra, I feel like I just had my own little mini aha moment mm. that was so deep, so powerful. And I have a feeling, you know. People always listen to the content that they hear at a specific point in time, and there's no accident. So I have a very strong feeling that the listener of this podcast also got their own little light bulb moment as they were really just hearing that as well. But getting back a little bit into your own story, you know, you had this moment where you're like, yes, the beauty industry, I want to do more in this industry. And now you just be able to do so much. But can you give us a little inside peek of what the growth of your business and really the growth of you was like from that moment in your mom's kitchen to the point that you're at today. Yeah. So I did something that was completely controversial, completely against everyone's, you know, advice. 
I, I, you know, I, I walked away from a corporate six figure income to go be a celebrity makeup artist. Now I didn't quite start out as a celebrity makeup artist, but I was already doing what I was doing on the side for all those years for free. Now I decided to make a business out of it. I used all of the knowledge that I got from, from corporate marketing and branding that I would use to create multimillion dollar campaigns for these big companies. And I poured it into myself, the strategy part. Mm-hmm. I also invested in myself, right? Did my own photo shoots so I can get my own PR materials and marketing materials. And I just went about town. Like I literally treated, I just went to ground zero. I treated myself as my own marketing campaign, as this brand new makeup professional in the largest, one of the largest cities in the world, one of the largest cities for the beauty professionals. Competition is very stiff, but I treated myself as a brand from the beginning. And that for me was the thing that set, set me apart. So as a result, within the first three months of walking away from that six-figure income and that six-figure corporate job, I was able to land uh, an opportunity working for a television network. And I and I had and and then from that moment, this was this was uh, July 2012. So from that moment, uh, <laughs> I never worked for anything else other than in film and television. So, but it was important for me to set myself up with a solid foundation that it wasn't a matter that I didn't have the skill because I've been doing this since I was 14. Right. But I needed to, I didn't, I didn't have the pedigree quote unquote, because no one had ever seen me as a makeup artist in the industry before. So I needed to create the marketing and the energy and the awareness around me as though I am. See, that's what marketing is really about. Yes, perception is ultimately reality. I can deliver, but I'm not going to spend another 10 days, 10 years trying to convince you of my worth and how good I am. I'm just going to package myself so that I don't have to ask you for anything. I can walk into the room and get it. That is so beautifully and powerfully said. I've never heard marketing described in that way before, but with the way that you just described it, and it sounds like, you know, this is obviously something you're very knowledgeable on, but with the way that you almost put your own spin in the description of it, what I'm really feeling is this effortless sense of, I know who I am. I know what I am. I know how I serve. And in doing so, that's where true attraction can come in. Yeah, absolutely. That is that there's so much power in, in knowing, in the knowing, right? Um, because you then energetically, how you move about, how you confidently, how you show up and obviously the work that you do to deliver. And so I didn't need any validation. It's not an arrogance thing. It's just simply the fact that I was 36. So I was grown, right? I wasn't a young woman. So I didn't have time to allow people to catch up to me. I needed to create, I needed to present the package that I know that I am, but I also knew it was challenging because again, highly competitive beauty market. And so I did it in a way that made sense to me. There was no way I was going to abandon all the corporate (laughs) knowledge and experience that I had. Like I had to find a unique way to make it make sense for where I am. And that's what I did. I created a whole marketing campaign around me. And that's, that's the best investment that I could have done at that time. 
And how specifically did you get involved in the TV and film industry? Yeah. So part of my marketing strategy was to go grassroots. So I said, okay, I'm a makeup artist. Uh, who is my cl- who is my ideal client? Obviously women <laughs> who love makeup. Well, where are those women? Um, they are very likely going to be uh, out shopping on the weekends in some various boutique, et cetera. So what I did was partner with seven, several boutiques on Saturdays and Sundays, every Saturday and Sundays for several months, rotated around, set up my makeup chair in the corner of these boutiques, did little mini makeovers while women were shopping for apparel and handed out my business card as a result. (laughs) Lo and behold, several of those women were TV executives, executives from major, you know, um, corporations. And so I was in the right place. (laughs) And, you know, that was that to me was the best thing for me to do was to go and meet my market where I knew that they would be. And that absolutely changed the trajectory um, of what was possible for me because mm-hmm. a lot of makeup artists do start in this business working for free and peddling around and all of that. I just, I didn't, I didn't have the luxury of just simply starting from scratch. I needed to start it from a place of power. And I did that with implementing some of these grassroots strategies that allowed me to position myself in places where women um, that I needed to purchase, to, you know, uh, purchase my services and, and to experience me as an artist as were. And those were in the boutiques. I love that you really went right where you know that your ideal clients are going to be and then just really showed up doing obviously the best that you know how to do, really just being the fullest embodiment of yourself. Mm-hmm. And in what you just described to me too, again, the energy that I'm just getting from this is really a simple knowledge of your own power and really just standing firmly in that, but doing with the doing it with the energy of the power that I see in me is a power that I also see in you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I had a bigger vision. Like that wasn't my end all. So to the outside world and to people that knew me when I had the six-figure income, the corporate card, the private jets, you know, the 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 convertible Mercedes Benz, the beautiful apartment in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Now you're going to give all that up to go set up a chair in the corner, you know, of a boutique and do makeup. They didn't get it, but I already had a plan. See, I had already created this one year plan and a one year strategy for myself. I knew what I was doing, um, but I really didn't have the time to explain it to other people because it's not for other people to know your vision and to believe in it. It's really up to you to believe in it. But I had a lot of dissension. People just really just didn't understand. And I get it. So for me, it was no shopping for a year, downsizing my car, just doing all the things that I needed, the sacrifices that I needed to make to funnel into the now this new dream of my career and my life that I knew I needed to do. Because again, I was 36. So I didn't really have a lot of time to waste. And at that time, obviously, I've got a lot of expenses called real life. I'm a grown woman. And so there are things that I needed to ensure that I didn't take a long time to acquire back. I set myself a 12-year goal to replace my six-figure income with beauty. And that is exactly what I did. Well, huge congratulations to you for really just setting your sights on what it is that you wanted and then getting it done and really just sticking to what it is that you said that you wanted to do because 
you know, for you to come here at the end of the day and have done all these things is amazing. But what's even more amazing is the things that no one will probably ever see. It's those little moments day to day in that journey that allowed you to get to where you are today to work in TV and film and to have the success that you've had as well. I'm sure a couple of our listeners are also kind of curious too, with TV and film, were there any um, particular shows that you really loved working on that were especially exciting to you? Yeah, you know, I don't I don't necessarily like naming the show, do you know what I mean? Because oh, that, totally, that kind of totally. gets a little weird, but, you know, because you're talking about favorites and all the things. Yeah. But I can say that the shows that resonated, you know, for me the most were, you know, the ones that, um, that really were, inspirational, you know, the, the shows that even though they were reality shows, they weren't the caddy shows, um, you know, they were that pit women against each other. They were the ones that really empowered you, gave you knowledge and information so that you can be better. And I felt like it was interesting because I worked on several seasons of those shows and I was like, oh, I'm in the right place at the, you know, because this is sort of, I can see myself a lot in some of these entrepreneurs and their journey many of them taking a lot of risk and things. So I look at a lot of the alignment of the shows that I began to work on with my own journey. And I'm like, oh, okay, God, I see, I see what you're doing, you know, here. But I was also able to do things and be in rooms with some of the most amazing people as a result of working, you know, in film and television. I got to meet my hero, Oprah, um, you know, working uh, on a, on a major photo shoot for, 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 for a, a really established magazine. And she happened to also be one of the talent that was a part of that cover. And so that was like a, that was like that moment that I don't think that I would have reached, who knows, but beauty got me there. Anyone who knows me knows that Oprah's at my everything next to my mom yes. and my daughter, like she is the queen, right? So mm-hmm. beauty really brought me into the room with her. And so I look at all the sacrifices that I made to become, you know, a credible beauty professional. And now that credibility and experience and skill set brought me into the room, you know, with the likes of Oprah. So I have so many stories like that of moments that were like pinch me moments, like, oh, my God, I grew up watching this person. I grew up listening to this person's music. I grew up, you know, recording you know, in my, in my journal, this is these person's lyrics. And now I'm like in the room working with them, or I'm on this private jet traveling with them to another city. So there's so many of those magical moments. <laughs> I just, you know, I just, I, I still do pinch myself, but I say all that to say that not to brag, but to, to, but to, for, for anyone who is, is at a journey at a space where they may are thinking about pivoting. And, and there's some fear involved in there. There's a lot of unknown involved in there. I'm telling you that on the other side of that is everything that you want. Because truthfully, that fear and that anxiety is is, is actually there to inform you that you're on the right path. You're making me tear up over here. Oh, man. <laughs> Not in a bad way. That was just so beautiful and so powerful and so empowering because the energy with which you speak is the energy of, I've done these things to show you that you can do the same. Hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful way to mentor, to guide, to teach, but also to live. Because then you understand that the more that you're able to grow, you know, our world is abundant. So that means that 
then that's the more that all of us can grow together. And making shifts, making transitions in any of our lives is very scary. There's one that I'm making in my own life right now. And let me tell you, I'm a little terrified. <laughs> but but I, I feel like my, my podcast guests are always so synchronistic. Um, and you told me the things that I needed to hear today. So Thank you very much for that. And I hope that it benefited some listener out there just as much. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> Getting into a little bit now about your own beauty agency, which is called Shift Beauty mm-hmm. Agency. Yeah. You work with so many incredible brands on there. I also have to tell you, I am personally the biggest fan of Thrive Cosmetics, who I know that you work with. Like I'm, oh, I wear their foundation, their mascara, like all their products all the time. Like people are always asking me, where'd you get it? Like send them your, your way mm-hmm. uh, because it's clean products. I love like your marketing, your branding, all the things. Yeah. That could be a whole nother podcast episode, yeah. but can you... No. T- <laughs> But can you tell us a little bit about how your shift beauty agency really came to be and how you, you know, got to the position where you're able to work with such incredible brands? Yeah, well, yes. Um, Thrive Cosmetics is absolutely spectacular. I'm actually wearing my Thrive Green <laughs> right now. Um, the, the founder, Carissa Bodner, she is an incredible entrepreneur who, when I decided to be, you know, the makeup services world and focus on the brand side of business. She was one of the first people to say yes to me. But the idea behind Shift Beauty, if you remember my story, when I said I was in the kitchen with my mom doing her makeover and I felt a shift, I decided when it was time for me to really focus on this, what I feel this business is the culmination of everything that I've done. I had to name it Shift Beauty. Now it's spelled a little different, S-H-Y-F-T. But the idea for me is if I'm going to be in this industry, if I'm going to do anything, it has to, I have to shift it, move it, make an impact, never, never let it be the same again. You know, Melissa was here. (laughs) And so shift was like the perfect name uh, for the business. And so, yes, I do work with phenomenal emerging and established women-owned beauty brands. The intention behind that is to bring all that I learned in corporate America, all of that big marketing and branding and strategy expertise to the smaller person, to the person who is is who would never have access to the kind of information and resource and exposure that I did. And I felt that it was important um, because many entrepreneurs, especially ones in beauty, really, they know what they know and they don't know what they don't know. And I feel that I come in as more than just a service provider as a consultant. I feel that I am, you know, a mentor. I feel like I'm an advocate. I feel like I am a part, I'm I'm, I'm someone to help them get to their ultimate goal quicker and smarter. And so that is really the impetus of like being able to work with these, you know, independent women-owned brands. Many of them wear many hats, as you know. If you if you own a business, you're you're the you're the accountant, you're the you know the shipper, you're the all the things. And so, how much room do you actually get to have to work in your business? Many founders work on their business, but they don't work in their business. So, as a consultant, I'm helping them to work in their business by providing them you know, with, with what's necessary for them to grow because all of them are different stages. All of them have different needs. And then I also work across so many different product lines 
you know, from nail care to hair care, body care, skin care, et cetera. So every strategy is different, but this is so what I'm poised to do. I'm so poised to do this. I feel in my zone every day. Today, for instance, I literally had a, had a, um, had a consultation with a woman whose mother passed away last year. She wanted to start a, a hair care brand in her mother's name, uh, in her mother's honor. And so she, you know, she was like, I, you know, I don't know anything about beauty, but I know you do. Can I work with you, et cetera? So I decided to, you know, to, to work with her. And we went through, um, you know, partnering our, our business relationship. And so the first meeting today was working on her branding. The first part of that is like, what are we going to call it? I had already done the research over the weekend. And I came up with a few names. I gave her the first two, but I gave her the one that I knew that was already in my spirit. And she said, oh, my God, do you know that that's the nickname that everyone used to have for my mom? And I, I mean, we were, I was floored because she never mentioned this in our brief. She never mentioned that in our initial consultation. I just went on like putting all the pieces in that. And see, because I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm both like intellectual, but I'm intuitive. And so that's why I know that I'm operating in my in my gift. Because I get those confirmations all the time. So for anyone who just feels like, you know, trust that your opera don't have, do not have imposter syndrome when you know you're doing something great. That's the thing that I know that women do all the time. They're like, oh, I am good at this, but am I really supposed to be? So then that imposter syndrome creeps in. You start to question your brilliance and your gift and that innate like talent. And I, 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 every day I get that confirmation that I'm operating my gift because I get to feel what's what my, what they, what they desire and then put it into a framework that makes sense for them to see it as a business and as a brand. And so that's what I do, you know, every single day. And so no two days no, are, are the same. Like tomorrow I'm out at a photo shoot because one of them is launching a brand, you know, next week I'm going into a lab because one of them has an idea. And so we're working with their chemist on, you know, ensuring that formulation is good. And one of them has already been in the business for four years, but business is stagnant. So now we need to audit her business to see which products should she keep, which products should she relaunch and rebrand so that she can re, you know, kind of revitalize her brand. So everyone is in a different stage, but I am in my zone we are shifting things one day, one strategy at a time. At a time, it's just a really exciting uh, space to be in. That is amazing, and how beautiful too that by you showing up as the fullest expression of yourself, by you standing in your power, speaking your truth, knowing the gifts that you're able to give to the world, you're mm-hmm. able to change the lives of those who really need it the most. And especially if you have a loss in your life, the loss of a loved one that's when those connections that are going to really expand you, that's when they matter even more. And I love what you said too, about really just obviously being analytical, but also honoring the intuitive side of you, the side of you that maybe has like a little whisper of say this or try this or suggest this. And I think that so often, you know, we might not listen to those little intuitive hits, but like what you just said, it can be that little hit, that word that can really change the game for someone. Yeah. I mean, listen, meditation is a part of my business plan. Like it's a strategy. It is, Mm. it is a part of how I do business. And 
I, I sit with everyone. So I never do a consultation unless it's by video. I cannot connect with you over the phone. It's just something about it. And because we live in a world where, yeah, I think we're kind of back outside now. I think people are okay with the face-to-face meetings. But that for me, there's something powerful energetically about seeing your, see, you know, seeing you and connecting with you. So I never do a consultation unless it's face-to-face. I mean, you know, even if it's virtual, but in that I'm able to see and feel and get and grasp and pull out. And, and, and so it's through questioning, but it's through energy, it's through your eyes, it's all, it's through your disposition. And then I take that information and I just go sit in my office and, you know, start to just map it out. And I would say 50% of it may come by sitting in the office and the other 50% comes about three or 4 a.m. in the morning. So I sit with a journal by my bed and, you know, I'm like, oh, oh let me go, you know, because I, I know that it will come. Like for some reason, you know, that that is like the golden hour, as they say, right? And I am yes. fully tapped in. I'm full. So when I even got her that, that name for her brand, it was in the wee hour and I couldn't sleep. That's how I knew it was the right one. But as a you know strategist, you have to present three options. The first two I knew were they were okay, they weren't bad, but it wasn't the one. So when I when I presented her with the final one, it was she started crying and it was just like so. Again, I just say you know it's just like this is a, such just an exciting time because so many people are launching products and launching brands and you know are really thinking about legacy and 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 and, and generational wealth and many of them are doing it through beauty. So I'm just happy to just be a conduit and be you know, part of the solution, not a part of the problem, uh, you know, every day. (laughs) Well, that is just absolutely incredible. This podcast episode has been so invigorating, so exciting, and also so inspirational for me, but also something that I know others are going to love as well. Two more final questions for you before we officially close out. (laughs) One of those is actually, you know, the name of this podcast is called Royalty Redefined. And it's all about crowning yourself the queen of your life. And the question that I like to ask all of our guests is, what does being the queen of your life mean to you? Oh, gosh. The queen of my life uh, means to me being the greatest reflection of womanhood to my daughter that I can be. I know that I'm her mirror. And I just pray every day that, you know, I wake up and I move and I do and I live in my being in a way that inspires her, in a way that empowers her, and in a way that makes her feel and, and know what is what is possible. So that for me is what that would, <laughs> that for me is, is that's all that it is. <laughs> That is just absolutely beautiful. Melissa, at this point, I'm sure that our listeners are wondering how they can connect with you, where they can find you. We might even have some beauty brands listening in on this episode today. And so I would love it if you can just share where people can connect with you and then whatever resources you you say, I'll put those in the show notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I'm everywhere at Melissa Hibbert. So even if you choose on Instagram at Melissa Hibbert, in my bio is a link to everything to, to connect with me. So I'll just make it simple by by saying at Melissa Hibbert. Amazing. Are there any final words before we close out the interview today? Uh, no, this has been really amazing. I love uh, uh, the, your, your questioning and, and your ability to allow me to 
dig deep and go broad and, and, and really just share the best of me. So I just wish you continued success in your journey and on your podcast and to everyone listening. Um, just don't be afraid to live full, whatever that looks like for you. Just do it and be it. That is one strong ending. Melissa, thank you so much for being on our show today. Everybody, make sure to go ahead and check her out on Instagram. And if you're listening to this, don't forget today to show up as the king or queen that you are. 